Hey beautiful, welcome back to the Big Fat Talk Show. I'm extremely excited about the second series that we're shooting today and we've got amazing guests coming up. So right now with me is Victoria Musioki. She describes herself as somebody who loves to see kids connect with each other and their parents through fun and she loves to create memorable experiences for families. She's the founder of Kiddy World, an award-winning kids entertainment company and she's also a biker. I'd love to hear more about this story. So basically, Victoria wants, to, wants her life to mean something. She wants to be able to look back and say, yes, I made some tough decisions, but they were the right decisions. Her story is inspiring it, it, and it's also very reflective. So I'm not going to waste any more time. Let's, go, let's hear what Victoria has to say. Hi, Victoria. Hi. Hey, Nadja. How are you? I'm good. I mean, welcome to the show. I'm Thank very you. eager to have you here. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. Yeah. yeah. So I, I love the, I mean, I may know you're going to explain <laughs> the whole biker look to us a bit later. I'm, I'm eager to hear that as well. Thank you. So Victoria, tell us about yourself. Tell us your story. Now, I grew up in the village uh, at a place called Mwala, Machakos County. And I was the eldest in my family. And how I grew up, my we grew up with my mother my siblings and i and my father lived in nairobi so we saw my dad probably once a week he would come to visit over the weekends and my mother was the authoritative kind of parent and i'm glad she was because she's the reason i'm this tough i had to put that in there you know i'm not complaining <laughs> yeah uh, but my mother was how do i say it you know, there's a way she would react when she was angry that would scare me. And that created a fear. I, I, I began fearing my mother. Um, and that was the beginning of self-doubt. So actually, I have battled with self-doubt all my life. But I feel like that was the origin, the fact that I feared, I feared mom a lot. My dad being absent also did something to me. Yeah. I think every girl needs their father because your father is that person who helps you gain confidence. He, he's the first man you interact with in your life. Yeah. And if he's not there, then your perception of men gets twisted. You know, you tend to believe men are... Supposed to be that way. Yes. Not, uh, not available. Or exactly, yeah. So you end up settling for men that... Exactly. So let me ask you, um, so what you're describing in, to me is, is very many homes, you know, very many African homes with, where we, we've, you know, where our parents just tend to be, you know, this tough and not, not really. Yes, friends, my parents were complete know? opposites. Yeah. One was very tough, yeah. the other one was not there and passive at the same yeah. time. Okay. and quiet so so that's like i'm just that's something very common right in, in a cultural perspective yes but, but okay so what happened from there so this this was the beginning of like you said your self-doubt yes. it's what started molding you into yes. this bad place that you had gone into exactly and on most occasions i remember i would i always had a memorized list of things to do every single day and a lot of days i would finish most of my tasks according to me but my mother would come home and I felt like she would focus on the half 
the either the bit that you forgot and that made me also question you know was i good enough why can't i just complete these things yeah and then after that when i went to university that's when now this self doubt started to manifest itself because i remember for example um at the university i was asked to do a proper presentation project presentation and my mouth dried up completely and i could not speak in my mind you know there were these thoughts that um, probably not good enough I, i i can't do this that's when i realized how much how deep this self doubt was yeah. yes so it's it's a it's a self esteem issue okay. you had ma- basically no self esteem it had yes. been broken out of you yeah. so what were wow so it affected your life in those aspects but what were the decisions you made same time i remember i i used to run I, from what i thought were my problems but really they were not because coming to my father's house from my mom's house i was excited because i was like oh now she'll never beat me up again you know i'm free my father doesn't beat up doesn't beat us up so i could enjoy life that's what i thought as a as a child in my mind i think i was probably 17 years old and i lived with my dad for a while but at some point my relationship with him was not also working out So I moved to live with my boyfriend and that was at the point that was a year after I finished university and I couldn't because I it took long to to get a job and living with my dad day to day we were completely at loggerheads at some point so I moved to go live with my boyfriend so you noticed I was constantly running yeah. and at some point my relationship with my boyfriend also didn't work out yeah. when we first our we had our very first big fight I lost hope completely. And at around the same time, my dad had promised to to pay for my master's education. I wanted to go study um an IT course in the University of Sunderland. So I had applied, I had everything, you know, in place. It took months to put it together. He had told me if you can apply then I'll pay for you and you can fly and go and do your master's education. But on that specific day, I went to his office. and he told me he wasn't going to pay for me and at the same time i had just had this big fight with my boyfriend that struck something i and, and of course your mom was not somebody you could go to yes and cry and say what is so so you just felt like okay blocked here blocked here blocked there yes and maybe my if probably if i went my mother would have listened but in my mind in your mind you had created this yeah created these things in my mind i felt like just to to say i have to say that when my mother was doing all these things she was shaping me she was doing it out of love but you see in the mind of a child there's a way we interpret it there's a way we look at it which is different so but now because of that i could not talk about everything with her right now we can talk about anything with my mother and with my dad how how do you go to him and you know yeah and and i lost hope completely and on that day i went to my boyfriend's house i was alone in the house and i took my laptop and started his laptop it wasn't mine 
and I started looking for painless ways to kid yourself. And I remember coming across, you know, the idea of carbon monoxide. I was like, ah, no, I don't want to try that. Then I saw certain medication. You know, I could see, because the internet has stories of people and how they committed suicide. And I chose to do the overdose. And my boyfriend later came home and he found me at such a bad state. He took me to hospital. Of course, I didn't succeed down here. Yeah. But in my mind, I had lost hope completely. There was nowhere to turn to. So you see the decisions I was making at the point in, in that mental state were that I was nothing. I could not amount to anything much. So even if I survived, I felt like I was going to be a baggage in this world. Yeah. Okay, wow. So that was what was in your head at that point. Mm -hmm. And the fact that the two most important men in my life at that point, they were the most important men in my life at that point. His father and boyfriend. Yes. Because my boyfriend was, the way I looked at him, I felt like he was that person who sees me. Yeah. And we had, a, when we had the fight, I was like, now who else would understand me? Yeah. Wow, okay. And all right, so what you were going through at the time that you attempted suicide was I'm, I'm a burden, like you said, to this world, to my family, to whatever. Yeah. And you, had, you felt like you were locked in. There was no way you could turn to the two most important men in your life that you felt had let you down. Yeah. But because you had no self-esteem, you felt there was no worth. You lost your self-worth. Is that correct? Yeah, the self-esteem was lost before then, yeah. <laughs> but at that point, I think it was the lowest point that I, I've never sunk that low. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Did you ever, I mean, today you're here, you're successful, you're doing everything that you love. Yeah. Do you regret attempting suicide? Yeah. Do you say... Like, do you think, oh my God, I should never have done that? The thing I regret is, but I wouldn't use the word regret, but I would never want to get to that point again. That's why I'm very intentional on building my mental toughness. Yeah. But, you, but, but okay, so let's go uh, to after attempting suicide. You were at the hospital, they fixed you up, you survived it. What happened then? After that, I was um, the, I was given antidepressants, which I, they take you on a high. I, I get why people get addicted to that medication, but at the same time, I was taken for counselling. And that's when finally I got someone who I could talk to and I could speak my truths. You see, I was afraid of saying my deepest tr truths, all those things how I felt about certain situations. I could not tell my mother how I felt about her in her face. I could not tell my dad the same thing. I could not tell my boyfriend. But there was someone whom I could talk to and just explain how these things affected me. And that was the first for you yes. in your whole life yeah. since you was a kid. You since yeah. you were a kid, you never had that. So all of a sudden there's this person who's listening to you and you don't fear opening up to. Yeah. The thing. And I started being more aware of what was happening in me and why I was going through all this. That awareness is really important. 
But the most important thing that the lady did was after the counseling session, I ran out of money at some point. So she referred me to a church, Nairobi Baptist. And at the time it was, yeah, NPC. Now they've rebranded. And when I went to church, that's when I learned, you know, there's actually a God who, who, who I can talk to. And I could pray and God would answer. And I was like, wow, I'm not alone anymore. So that was one of my turning points. And also even in church, they, I later left uh, the particular church and joined another one. And we had these small groups where we would meet every week and talk about uh, the Bible and God's word and even what we were going through in our personal lives. And that having those conversations helped. All right, great. So what I'm hearing is support. Yes. You know, if there's anyone listening right now, I mean, watching this and and having thoughts of, of self-harm or whatever, yeah. you're basically saying that what saved you was the the support system, yes. being able to talk to people. Exactly. Yeah. Did you ever feel, did you ever, exactly, did you ever feel awkward when you were talking to a, to a counselor? Was that normal? With the counselor, it was normal. Yeah, to this day, I still yeah. see a counselor. So it's yeah. a very normal thing. I mean, when you break your leg, you go see a doctor to fix it. Exactly. So counselors are there for our mental health. So that's yeah. extremely important. Yeah. Like all you ever needed since you were a child, since you were a child, was just somebody to speak to. And someone who gives you the attention. You know, exactly. put the fork down and look at me and, yeah. and listen, listen to what I'm saying and what I'm not saying. Yeah. Because when you're truly present you're able to pick out a lot on what someone is saying. Two out of three of those people suffer from mental health issues because of chronic childhood trauma. This is a huge statistic. As parents, as family, as friends, we all play a role. Amazing, because something as small as just listening to someone has made yes. such a big impact in your life. Because it communicates something. Yeah. It says, I care. It says, I'm here for you. After your lowest low, which was the attempt on, you know, the attempted suicide, you spoke to a counsellor. You now, at this point, what happens to your life? Tell us. At that point, uh, I later got married okay. um, to the same boyfriend. Okay. <laughs> and uh, I also got a job, which is also another story. <laughs> because how I got the job, I had to walk office to office, you know job hunting and part of the reason it took so long was because of my self-esteem issues because I could go for an interview I know I can do a job but I could barely express myself myself I had zero communication skills and because of that I think the interviewer would assume this lady she doesn't know what she's talking about she can't do that job yeah but I eventually got a job then I got married I uh, had two children, but then I had another turning point when my son was born, my first child was born. Um, I didn't think I was good enough as a parent. Well, I wanted to be a great parent to my, to my son. I wanted them to, you know the way an athlete trainer pushes their trainee, but without breaking their spirit? Yes. I wanted to be that kind of parent where I can raise my child in the right way but without breaking their spirits. Yeah. 
uh, their spirit to get. So I signed up for a parenting class. Okay. And that's the very first time I had thoughts of running my own business, of quitting employment, just so I could spend more time with my children. Yes. Okay, and then, and then, then what happened? Uh, later, I, I quit employment when my second child was... I was actually four months pregnant with my second child. And I had just been promoted. Okay. Yeah, so I resigned to start my own business. Then my marriage failed after that. We separated and I had to pay rent for the first time. I had to take care of my children. I had to take care of myself while starting up a new business. And you know, when we are pushed to that point where you cannot retreat, you see, you have, I had to feed these kids. I had no plan B. I only had one plan and I had to find a way of feeding them. I would call customers, you know, I would cry. <laughs> you see, at the same time, you're going through the pain of losing a marriage. So I would cry through the night and wake up in the morning and call clients and look for business. And that is how I started building my kids' entertainment business. That my pain pushed me. Okay. And slowly over time I started gaining confidence now when my business started growing I started believing more in myself that actually if I can do this what can't I do and at the same time that when I started motorcycling okay. yeah wow okay so 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 uh, wait before we go into motorcycling uh -huh. so what I'm hearing is okay you you we, we know that you were this very scared girl with no self-esteem no self-worth you know uh, filled with self-doubt yeah you attempted suicide. You ended up seeing a counsellor. You still ended up marrying the man from the disturbed relationship that you had before. Yeah. You ended up having two children with him. Yes. You ended up having a, getting a job, a promotion, and even quitting that job. Yes. You ended up even leaving this man. Mm -hmm. So what was that woman who we knew, the girl who was scared, transforming into? You know, because all this... I mean, uh, the decisions you started making later yes. in your life, like from quitting your job after promotion, yeah. leaving your, your husband, you know all this. That's, that takes a lot of courage, it takes a lot of yeah. confidence as well. So, you know, who, tell us more about what you, who you became at that point. Who are you at that point that, in comparison to the girl from before? At some point I became intentional on becoming a better me. Okay. You know, and I was just, I was not happy with my current reality and I painted a picture of who I wanted to be and every day I would wake up and visualize that woman and write it down I would journal and tell myself this is how I see myself you should read my journal for all those years and something else happened at around the same time while I was going through counseling I became more aware why I used to act the way I used to act and so I could differentiate, I could tell I'm shrinking in conversations, not because I'm stupid, <laughs> but because it's because of this self-doubt. So I, so I became, I started understanding that there's this greatness in me and it needs to come out somehow. And I became so intentional on working on me. I read books, I exposed myself to people who are where I want to end up. And I started building my mental toughness and I started exposing myself to more situations that would require me to speak because I was very afraid of speaking in public. Okay.
but I started exposing myself intentionally. And I would go do a bad job, go cry, and then tomorrow do it again. Exactly, because now you started regaining some sort of confidence. Yes. Your self-worth started to come back, and then you started spreading your wings. Exactly. So you, so tell us about, you quit your job, yes. and then you set up Kiddy World. So yes. tell us about Kiddy World. Wow, the thing about Kiddy World is, I feel like I missed out on a lot of fun as a child. And I truly believe there's nothing a child needs more than that bonding between you and, and the parent. Yes, they need to have boundaries, but that relationship where they know I can go to mommy anytime, I can hug mommy, we can talk, and daddy as well. Every child needs that, and that is what drove me. And if you notice, when we go, when we do a lot of our parties, we encourage the parents to participate, yeah. be engaged, put down the phone, and just watch your child, play with your child. Those moments, that's the best time to connect with your child when they're having fun. Mm. So you created an entire business yeah. out of... Out of my experience. Your experience as yes. a child. I put my broken yeah, pieces together. It became my job. You took all the broken pieces and created something beautiful so that yes. other children don't have to go through it. That's, that's exactly. Amazing. Yeah. So then you, you, you mentioned you, you're a biker. So I, I really want to hear about that because not only did this girl transform from broken into, you know, whole and confident and with her wings spread, I mean, biking is, you know, for too many years has been known for just to be a guy thing, yeah? It's such so, so manly to be a biker. This is a part of me which is like my mother. Okay. My mother also is a biker and she's, she has been riding for, for years, really? I can't remember since we yes. In that generation she was a biker? Yes, and to this day she surprises people when she shows up with her bike. Uh -huh. <laughs> wow, I'd love to meet your mom. <laughs> yeah, okay. true. But how I started riding was different. My, 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 the father of my children is the one who introduced me to biking. Yes, he was a biker, oh. and how I started riding is because yeah. one day I asked him one time, why can't we go on to South Africa with a bike? You know, when he had his bike, and he told me there's no way you can carry someone on a bike to South Africa. So I said, okay, what if I get my own bike? And he was like, okay, yeah, now that's workable. That's how the conversation started okay. for my biking, and I signed up for a class. Can adventure, I can tour the world, and I ha and I'm going to South Africa with a bike. Oh, you are! Wow! I've done Kigali. Oh, you did Kigali with a bike? The with bike. the Throttle Queens, yes. Oh, wow! That's amazing. Alone or with a group? No female biker group called okay. the Throttle Queens. Oh, wow. ah, okay. Throttle Queens. Throttle Queens. Oh, okay. So we use biking to empower women. Yes. Wow! It's just women. Yes, that's all female. So you've done Nairobi Kigali? Yes. We've and done Moshi. We've done Mombasa. We've done Nakuru. Oh, that's amazing. So this is like your side hobby? Correct. Yeah. And you're planning on going to, to South Africa yes. soon? Yes. Okay. So you're raising two sons? Yeah. I'm, I'm raising a son and a daughter. Two children, a son and a daughter. Yeah. And you're a single mom who's got a thriving business and rides a bike. How is that for them? <laughs> <laughs> I think they think their mother is the coolest one. Yeah. You know, is the most coolest mom on earth. But the thing that I always think about is 
I'm preparing these two children for adulthood. Yeah. I, I believe that's what parenting is all about, yeah. preparing your child for adulthood. So I'm constantly asking myself when I'm interacting with them, am I really preparing them in the right way? Yeah. And I have become very intentional on how I am as a mother, how I grow as a mother. And every day I spare time just to look at them yeah. and ask them, so how was your day? Yeah. And play with them and nothing gives me more joy. Wow. Actually being a mother is what I enjoy most yes, than anything yeah. else. Yeah. So how, you know, you mentioned at the start your relationship with your mom and your dad. And so how did they take this new person that you had become? First, how did they react to the, to the suicide? Interestingly, they discovered later, way later. Actually, my, my dad might not have had the story yet. But my mother, I shared with her later, later on when I was married already, yes. But then now you, you transformed into this new person, you know, your esteem grew, your decision grew, you even got divorced. How what was your parents' reaction? They didn't take it so well, the divorce, but my mother is now very supportive of me. Our relationship uh, has grown. Um, we are good friends now, so I shared with her the entire separation journey because and she understood. She what, actually, what the words she used was that, you know, you're the one wearing the shoe, you know where it presses most. What was the, the change in the relationship? When did it come about? When I was going through counseling, one time I spoke to her and I told her how some of these things affected me. Yeah, but being the typical African mother, you know, she told me she had to do what she had to do and she's the reason I am who I am today. You I know, but it, it gave you an outlet to discuss it with. Finally, I was able to talk to her about it. That was huge for me. No matter how she reacted, it, it did change your relationship with her. That's great. And did you ever look into, uh, how was your relationship, how was the relationship between your mom and dad? It's still, actually I should have mentioned when I grew up, when I got married, I got to understand what she was going through because they, they didn't have a good relationship. Do you think that was an attribute to how she was with you? Yes, a hundred percent. Yeah. Now it was only through your own experience in your marriage exactly. that you were able to realize this is why was she was frustrated. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's an eye opener, like I said earlier when I was introducing you, because yeah. I think that it's a lot of um, a lot of uh, parent parent daughter or parent son relationships yeah. are like this. They're strained because maybe we don't understand why they did the things that we yeah. did until we're much older then we realize oh okay yeah. you know and parents don't realize that the best thing you can do to your children it can be as simple as loving your partner exactly <laughs> just loving your partner is because all your not. child needs to needs to flourish right yes. but of course also for in your case and many other cases out there is that when parents are unapproachable things like that yes. happen yeah. where you you feel my only outlet is suicide or something yeah. as extreme so just being able to ensure there's an open door between you and your child is extremely important and that's what's come out very strong yes and at the same time being very balanced and intentional about it at the same time let them know their boundaries yes 
No, of course, by all means, the strictness is there. You're saying don't, I mean, spare the rod, spoil the child kind of thing. But at the same time, equally be be present and put down the phone, anything, and look at them in the eye. Let the, it does something to a child. It doesn't matter what it is they're sharing to you. Just stare at them and go down to their level. And also very important aspect of your story is how much uh, opening up to someone professional has ha helped you overcome your mental your mental health challenge because that's that I mean it it for you it's what changed your life around and I mean we're we're all the same in that aspect so the the message here is don't be scared to ask for help there are professional people out there you can be able to do it and it will change your world around even if you feel all your other walls are clo all your other doors are closed there's always that option that comes out because now another aspect something else that does more damage it can be your friend you could go talk to a friend and they're like ah you just need to get over it you know but they don't know how deep some of these things can be but when you go to a professional they know how to handle it yes they know how to help you move forward with you know even with the challenges they know how to help you move forward with the challenges without breaking your spirit yeah you raised which is extremely important and something that the gov governments need to look into is that you ran out of money for, for professional yeah. help. Yeah. So first you had the money. There are many people out there who don't even have the money yeah. to access in the first place. Yeah. And you know, that's why they end up harming themselves. Yeah. But even if you do have the money, it is expensive. So yeah. it reaches a point where you have to stop. Exactly. So it's something that, um, I mean, gauging from how important it is to have that avenue open for everyone, yeah you know, uh, indiscriminately, yeah. then it's extremely important for governments to ensure that that avenue is open for everyone and, you know, so that we can reduce. Yeah, and I'm also excited that churches are taking it up. My church, Nairobi Chapel, have a mental health session every month. So you see, at least there you don't have to pay. Yeah, yes. exactly. So, so religious institutions can come in and play a very big role where they can actually have open, yeah. The religious uh, institutions have professionals whom you can have one-on-ones with. But by whatever means, get and help. Because, exactly yeah, help. You, can you imagine if I had died? Yeah. I have put smiles to so many children. So many, and all that would not have happened. Exactly. Um, but the other message, you raised something about you can go talk to a friend and they can just put you off. Yes. So it's the people... So you as a person sh like you, you know, you, yeah. you may have a friend who's suffering from mental health. Yeah. I may. So it's also extremely important for us to be intentional and to be to be available. Yes. Yeah. And we don't need to be professional exactly. Listen. Just listen. Yeah. And that makes a very, very big difference. Yeah, and also the fact that you can take something that harmed you and broke you and turn it into such a diamond like, like you did, you know. So you felt, okay, my parents weren't available to me, I felt alone. And then you created an amazing flourishing business where now you're making parents do things with their kids. So that's amazing. I love that. I love it. Thank you so much, Victoria. I mean, this has been amazing and I wish you all the best and all the, you know, all greatness and continue breaking more glass ceilings. Thank you so much. I appreciate One out of four people suffer from mental health related issues. Two out of three of those people suffer from mental health issues because of chronic childhood trauma.
This is a huge statistic. As parents, as family, as friends, we all play a role. If there's nothing you can say when somebody comes to you, the most you can do, the least you can do, is just listen. From the Holy Quran, in Surah 13 verse 28, no doubt in the remembrance of Allah, hearts find comfort. Have you subscribed to the Big Fat Talk Show? Click this button here. See you next time.